Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. The free agency hoopla has died down a bit, but the news keeps on coming. This week, we'll be talking about the Blue Jackets' personnel strategy as much as we can figure it out. That includes Scott Harrington, Zach Wierenski, and yes, Sonny Milano. I am Ryan Real. Joining us for this episode, we've got Elaine Shercliffe. Hi, Elaine. Hi, Ryan. We've got William Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, Ryan. And we've got Eric Seed. Seeds, how are you doing? Life is great over here, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of red, white, and blue teams, which we are as Blue Jackets fans <laughs> and as Americans, yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah, if we're talking about the women, not the men. True, true, true. I mean, they made it to a final, but we, we can talk about uh, both of them later or just one of them if we want. It's fine. There have been a few choice news bits for Blue Jackets fans over the past week. One that is an actual pin on paper transaction. Scott Harrington getting re-signed for three years. Average annual value of about $1.63 million. We've all had fun with Scott Harrington. We all have feelings on Scott Harrington. So the fact that he is signed for three years, what do we think about that? Three years. Can I start? Because I absolutely hate the absolute... (laughs) I hate the term on this deal. I hate it so very much. Um, I get... I get I get the dollar amount. I'm not mad about it. That's that's the going rate for a third pairing ish defenseman in the NHL. Fine. Why? When you have let's just run down the depth chart here. Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones, 
Marcus Nudevar is under contract for three more for two or three more years. Uh, Ryan Murray is now under contract for at least two for two more, and they, he could theoretically resign here. David Savard's under contract for a couple more years. You've got Dean Kukon still under contract. You've got uh, Vladislav Gavrikov on his ELC. Why are we paying a seventh or eighth defenseman for the next three years? Uh, it makes absolutely zero sense to me. And we're paying a guy for three years who was thoroughly outplayed in the playoffs by uh, Gavrikov, by Dean Kukan, pretty much by Adam Clendenning as well. So um, contract doesn't really make sense to me. I don't understand the the term, the giving him three years. I get it's just three years, but still, like, this team's trying to get better and improve across the board, especially after losing Panarin, Bobrovsky, and Duchesne. And uh, we're just going to waste a uh, roster spot on Scott Harrington for reasons unknown. Cool. Great, great, great use of uh, great roster management. If you look at it just from the Blue Jackets standpoint, like it doesn't really make sense. But when you look at it organizationally depth-wise, there's really not much to call up from at this point in time. So he's a player that can come off the bench and kind of play if someone is injured. Um, And then it's a tradable contract. So even if they find a bunch of people, they a bunch of defensemen that are, are way better than him to fill on those roles, then they can get rid of him. Financially, you can argue that maybe he's a little bit overpaid, versus like the average fringe seventh or eighth defenseman or whatever. But yeah, I think seeds when he said salary wise, I mean, at least per year, that's one thing, I guess. But yeah, for three years and you're talking about, I mean, on the one hand, he's like your seventh or eighth defenseman, I guess. And you're talking about after Jones and Varensky and Murray and Nudavara and Savard and then Gavrikov is in there and Dean Kukan. It's like, I guess they're not hurting defensively, but it's like, why give him three years? But um, yeah, maybe you move him. Maybe you move. I mean, I guess you can always count on Ryan Murray being hurt. I guess someone could get traded this summer. Um, but uh, I I don't know. It's funny. with I guess with me, with, with uh, Harrington, what's funny about it is every time I write about him, I have to always put the, the disclaimer up. He had a career year, basically, because... He finally played a full season, or I guess he was given the opportunity to play a full season. And like anything he did was going to be notable, at least for him, because prior to last year, he'd only played a handful of games each season. So it's like on the one hand, he had a career year, but that's not saying much when you're talking about two goals and 15 assists and for whatever reason, 73 games. But yeah, he's like a... I guess the depth piece at the very at the end of the day, but for three years, it's kind of like why... More points than Brandon Dubinsky. <laughs> wow, low bar is low. I know, and the Dubinsky shot's unfair because he Dubie did play 12 fewer games, but he did have more points than Riley Nash, so... Yeah, my other complaint about this whole thing, uh, this whole uh, Scott Harrington contract is um, he had a career year, yes. He got paid on his contract for a career year, yes. The franchise just seemed willing to sign him uh, at kind of an over-the-market price, uh, and not really jerk him around. Whereas a couple years ago, coming off of a career year where he sh- where he played more games than Harrington, put up more points, uh, the franchise jerked Josh Anderson around for uh, into September and basically 
told him to put up or shut up. And he's only going to make, he's going to make less than a quarter of a million dollars more than Scott Harrington. And Josh Anderson is infinitely more valuable to the future of this franchise than Scott Harrington is. So I'm just kind of frustrated by you're willing to pay this below average defenseman. And he statistically was below average in pretty much every advanced metric last season. You're willing to pay this below average defenseman above market value. And then you're going to jerk Josh Anderson around. And I get the cap has gone up. I get all of that, but it it just looks really bad. And if I'm Josh Anderson, I'm going to be real, real angry coming into my next contract negotiations and saying, I, you told me to put up or shut up and I've put up, pay me. I, I guess you could also say at least, uh, even if the contract's not the greatest in terms of what they're giving up for this guy, it's like, well, at least it's not likely to hamstring them. That's true. Right, and it, it's not a Brandon Tanev situation, right? It's a low-risk, low-contract. I did pull up the player review from last year, the or at least you know the 2018-19 player review that yours truly wrote and did not have much of a recollection of writing. Nevertheless, the poll clocks in at 56% of the votes at C, 34% with a B, and four people gave him an A. So I'd like to talk to those people. <laughs> I just said you have C. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't get 7% that. D, but, but, the, but the, I mean, the majority, 56% gave him a C. So that's kind of like just right down the line, depth guy for not that much money. Yeah. Right, and I, I don't mind, and like I said, I don't mind the money. It's just the term. We've got, right. you know... We, it, it's just the term. We've got all these other guys on the roster, and clearly I think Yarmo is going to be looking at defensive depth, especially given what Elaine mentioned and how little there is in Cleveland. I think he's going to be looking at defensive depth in the uh, 2020 draft. I, ju- I guess I just don't get it. Like I don't get the term, especially for the next couple of years when our top six is pretty solidly set, and he's not in it. Some unsavory Blue Jackets news from the weekend as Sonny Milano was arrested along with the Avalanche's A.J. Greer in New York. He charged with third-degree assault, which is a misdemeanor with a court date in September. I guess there was an un, there was a, an altercation about a paid bar tab, and he was arrested at 6.30 in the morning. Elaine, you watch Sonny. You're close with the Monsters. What's your take on this first? I, I mean, as you guys know, I wanted to sit back and see kind of how things unfolded with the news. I It's not that I don't believe he could do something like that. I mean, he kind of has, he definitely has to struggle to keep his uh, aggression in when he's getting basically jumped on the ice, which leads me to think that he definitely has the ability to just go to town on someone. Um, it's very similar to, how Cole Sherwood played it in the beginning and then Cole just stopped caring and just kept beating people up on the ice. So I feel like it's definitely very possible that this happened, but from an organization standpoint, if this is the first time anything like this has happened, then I think they need to take it as it comes and figure out what to do next. Um, and like their next recourse but if this is something that has happened before um, in some way, shape, or form and just hasn't really been put in the public eye, I feel like then it's time to let him go or shove him in like the ECHL for a little if they decide to sign him to a two-way. It, I mean, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like a tough thing when you don't know everything that really went down to like was it a bunch of bros 
who were like just really drunk and they were like pushing each other around and it got a little out of hand or was this just like you know those kind of things happen every once in a while not that they're right but you know they happen or was it something that like he was just so aggressively angry and just wanted to beat the crap out of this other roommate those lead to two very situations two very different like paths although as I've said all season, I think it's time for him to go somewhere else anyways. I mean, look at Ryan O'Reilly. He hit a funk in hockey and drove into a Tim Hortons. I was going to say, yeah, he hit a Tim Hortons too. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then he went to the Blues and he fell back in love with the sport of hockey. He was motivated. He was dedicated to his team. He took what his coach said to heart. So maybe that's what Sonny needs. Yeah, I think, okay, so prior to yesterday, I think we would all say, like Elaine just said, that Milano probably needs a fresh start. And this only, like, adds fuel to that fire because, you know, he's already, for whatever, like, whether it's towards his doghouse on the ice as far as, you know, how he plays his players or whatever, it's like he just didn't seem to have whatever he was looking for um, to garner time in the NHL and ice time. And so already with that, it was like, okay, it seems like he needs to go somewhere else. And now he's an RFA and he's in search of his new con- next contract. So I can't see this incident helping that any better or anymore. So it's like really, except for the fact that Milano was arrested, it's almost like status quo as far as like, he already probably needs to go somewhere else and this only pretty much, um, you know, adds to that. The only thing now is whether or not they had offer him a new contract or they could even trade him because I don't know. It's, I mean, you know, like we were saying with, uh, Ryan O'Reilly or other players who've been in trouble, you know, someone either the same team or a different team will take a chance on them, but who knows? Um, yeah, I, I just think that he's probably, I'd be surprised if he was, I mean, I don't know. He might be back when the, in the organization next season, but I don't see him playing on the NHL level with the jackets really. Yeah. Um, my takeaway is basically this guy needs a new home someplace else. Uh, the Columbus blue jackets clearly aren't going to play him at the, on the NHL roster. And, uh, this guy needs a change of scenery just to get out of here. Um, for some, something else. Uh, like Elaine said, we don't really know what happened with his um, with the issues, whether it was, whether it was some deep seated aggression, whether it was, uh, you know, whether it was just a fight over the bar tab, in which case have these guys ever heard of Venmo. But like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I don't want to speculate too much on an ongoing investigation, but it's it's just an unfortunate situation all around. And I think, you know, the jacket, the jackets qualified him. Um, they they still retain his rights. They could offer him a new contract. I don't know if they will. Um, the the team said that they're not com- they're aware of the situation and not commenting any further at this time. So we don't really know what's going on. They're just going to wait. It looks like they're just going to wait for the legal process to play out. Uh, I did see that tentatively he's scheduled to appear in court like the day before training camp opens, which seems really not good. So yeah, it's 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 an unfortunate situation all around, and I hope whatever the outcome is that he finds a way to get the help he needs if he needs help and uh kind of get it back together and get yeah just get it together and develop into a 
better person, better hockey player, better human. I have a few more things to say about Sonny. Sorry. I do think if he does stay, he definitely, um, working with Mike Eves at the AHL level could be really, really good for him. Because like I said before, he really holds uh, players accountable on the ice and off the ice and make sure that you are being the best version of yourself possible. <clears throat> but even from the standpoint of the fans, I don't, even from the standpoint of the fans, I think um, people have already, they're, they're over him, they're done. And I kind of wonder if it's the same thing in the management level as well. Because there's the things I've seen people say like, oh, Sonny couldn't throw a hit to save his life. That's what's so funny about it. Or he's not very good. He had a bad season. And I just question if people actually watched him play or if they um, just have already written him off and they're seeing what they want to see. Because when he came back from his injury, he was throwing hits. And that's why more teams were getting extra aggressive with him because he was making plays and scoring goals and he was laying out hits. He wasn't taking anyone's shenanigans so I wonder if even anyone including management is really aware of just how much better he got this season I mean in the playoffs he led the team in points with 10 and assists with eight he had a plus seven and that's not because that's not because it's an inflated number it's because he was doing good amazing things so if I don't know. It just, it makes me wonder about how many people were truly watching him at the end of the season. And so if that's the case and people aren't really watching him and just saying that Sonny Milano does Sonny Milano things, then he really, really, really needs to go because that's unfair to the team and it's unfair to him. And yeah. All the people are, are the same in the Blue Jackets front office, but the organizational structure is a little bit different. Those people are in different roles. Do you think that would have any impact on his future with the organization? I think a little bit because now that Zito is more contract-wise from what I understand and not so much day-to-day -day player activity, I, I think that'll allow someone who's a little bit more nurturing, like Chris Clark, to... Uh, help pull something out of a player like him, but is Torts seeing that? Is Yarmo seeing that? I don't know where they really stand on him. I think sometimes Yarmo says he's their number one prospect so that they could um, pump up his trade value because it did drop with him being injured and being sent, being sent down and then being injured this season because he only played what like 23 games 27 40, so, thank you it wasn't that many so i possibly it's just it depends on what yarmo and Tor really what torts thinks as well sure yeah yeah hey if he bombs we can add him to the pile of uh blue jackets first rounders we drafted in front of all stars <laughs> it's always uh it's always what we yeah we can fall back on that <laughs> I, I just I just looked up who who went 
in the like next 10 picks and uh Kasperi Kapanen and David Pasternak are right there. So that's fun. Here's what would have yeah. here's what would have happened though. If the Jackets drafted those other guys, then it wouldn't even matter. It would be like just a flop for us, you know? Like they wouldn't have been the stars that they are everywhere else. Right. I feel like we're really good at molding people in like the third, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. <laughs> And anything other than that, we're like, well, they're good, so we're going to let them go on their own <laughs> laurels or something. I don't. <laughs> well, that is a great segue to our next segment, which we're going to get to in just a second. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We are back, and before I get to that, I just want to pour one out for Mark Letestu, out to the Winnipeg Jets, $700,000 a year, one-year, two-way contract for Test Tube. So we I'm very happy him. for him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy for him, but sad for myself. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and the team. He was just such a, um, I don't know, he's just such a great guy in general. And then he... Is just such a good player, and he shouldn't have been in the AHL all season. And you could tell he was kind of, it seemed as though he was losing his passion and felt like his time playing hockey was close to an end when we were in Syracuse for the first round of the playoffs. And, I mean, he just deserves so much more than playing in the AHL for the rest of his career. So I'm happy for him, but it really, really blows for the Monsters. Right. Yeah, yeah, I was I was there in the arena when he made his debut after getting traded back. And when he scored that goal against the Capitals, legitimate tears were shed in the arena. It yeah. was it, it was awesome. Granted, it ended up being the only goal he scored after that deadline, but I didn't even care. It was worth <laughs> it just to see it one more time. I missed Mark Letestu so much. That's probably my favorite game because it was like a 5-1 thumping of the Capitals. So I'm always down for that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Testu. Before the break, we were talking about Blue Jackets draft picks and, and the development and how it seems like they, they do better in later rounds. PD had an article, Pell Dragon, on the website a couple days ago about the Blue Jackets betting big on their prospects. And that includes guys like Trey Flux, Wolanski, Elvis Merzlikens, Andrew Peak, Vladislav Gavrikov. And how those guys are going to have a shot at the roster in training camp, them and others. That also includes, I'm including that in terms of Zach Wierenski, who has not signed his RFA contract yet, or that they have not reached an agreement on those negotiations. But the point, what I'm saying is, a lot of teams went out and got free agents, and they spent a lot of money. The Jackets really didn't do that. They are betting on their young guys. That seems to be the strategy. It seems to be the situation heading into the rest of the summer. Yeah, I'm excited about kind of the strategy of going with the younger guys because I want to see how Texier and how Gavrikov and how Merciless Skins and everybody else do or who else might have the opportunity to come up, whether at the beginning of the year out of training camp or in the middle of the season. Um, I don't know. It's it's like, yeah, you're losing Panarin and Duchesne. Like the national narrative is, oh, they're losing these three mega superstars. This team is going to fall apart. And 
I don't think they're necessarily, I mean, as long as they have solid goaltending, I think the rest will uh, maintain at least what they've proven they can do. Like the goal scoring, maybe you have a drop off of Atkinson's 40 goals or whatever, but I think, you know, you know what you can rely on based on the veterans that they have um, as long as they're healthy. And I'm just excited to see kind of what the younger guard coming in can do. Um, there's going to be growing pains. And I think for me, the the main question mark is in goal because you're Corpus is a veteran of that group. And, and in many ways, he's still the younger, you know, not rookie, but this is his first opportunity to really take over. And whether it's him or Elvis, um, that's just kind of the question mark for me, but I'm, I'm still excited to see uh, how they and everybody else on the roster do. I'm super excited for a couple things uh, this season. I'm really excited for a full year of Alex Texier. He, he really excited me down the stretch. I'm super, super, super excited for Emil Bemstrom. Is it Emil, Emil? I don't know how we're saying that, that, but uh, yeah. Um, the, the late the the next Alexander Ovechkin apparently he's got a wicked shot from that uh, from Ovechkin's office over there so I'm really looking forward to seeing um, how he fl- slots into this roster um, I'm sure he's going to get power play time because Lord knows we need all the help we can get on that so I'm excited to see him I'm excited to see our defensive core especially with uh, Zach Wierenski healthy coming into a season for the first time in his career that'll be that'll be really really nice or for the first time since his rookie year and then. Uh, yeah, uh, well, you mentioned the goaltending, and listening to Yarmo talk about it during that press conference last week, he just talked about how the only real, or he he didn't really say it in these terms, but really the only real stretch that uh, Jonas Corposalo played super well is uh, the stretch when Bobrovsky was hurt and he was forced to be the guy every night. So I'm excited to see how Corposalo does, but I'm also really excited to see what uh, Elvis uh, does in his time, because... The Jackets really have to figure out what they have in Merzlikens this year. Um, him staying over there with Lugano kind of forced their hand to say they're going to have to play him for extended stretches this season against tough competition to see if they think he can be the guy going forward or not. So I'm not I'm not predicting the playoffs, which I know makes me uh, a bad guy in Nick Felino's eyes, according to that athletic article uh, from a couple days ago that guys are predicting doom and gloom. And I'm not saying the Jackets are going to be 50 point a 50 point team next season i think they'll i do think they'll miss the playoffs but that's just basically based on the strength of the rest of the metro division not anything the jackets are doing but yeah it should be a really great season uh if only from a learning standpoint you're gonna see you know most of these kids are under 25 years old this is it kind of reminds me of the chicago blackhawks at the start of the decade where those guys had a couple years of struggles when you know jonathan taze was real young patrick kane was real young the defensive core was a little older than those guys but growing up they figured out a goaltender in Corey crawford and boom they won three cups in six years or whatever it was so maybe the jackets can do something similar here if they allow their youth to develop here and you know, a losing season might not be the worst thing in the world if it means those guys just get reps at the professional level. I'm really excited for that. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I just, I got so excited about Vitaly Abramov at the end of two seat, like the end of the 2017, 18 season. And then he turned out to just kind of regress as this season went on. So I'm really, I'm just not like, I want to be excited because 
Texier is like the real deal. Trey Fix Wolanski, Liam Foodie. I mean, watching them play live was special. It was very special. They have so much passion for the sport, but also they're just smart about what they do. They're one step ahead of everyone. But I know that summer is long for some of these guys and anything could happen. So I'm really hoping that it's going to be as exciting and thrilling as um, paper says it will be, but I'm worried that it won't be. So I'm just going to hope for the best. Hopefully Foodie takes that next step, like Dubois, so they can have like that second depth center. Because, uh, I mean, I always think that they need, like Duchesne, like what he provided with Dubois, you know, having two really good centers and not just a drop-off like, you know, Winberg, who we thought was going to be something. And hopefully Foodie takes that next step. But um, also real quick, just to jump on C- or, or comment on what Seeds has said about Foligno, um, you know that the boys are all hungry from last year and they want to prove everybody wrong. So that should be enough motivation, right? Right. Yeah. You know, we, sure. you know, we just, yeah, we just gotta, we just gotta get out there and prove everyone wrong. This is the year, you know, they're all hungry. They're starving. Never had to prove anyone wrong ever in the whole history of this organization. I remember when they put one of my articles in the, in the opening pump up video <laughs> last year. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, what, did it, what, did it, what did it say? What did it say? In here, in here, I thought in here, I thought getting quoted by Ryan Lambert was bad, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was my, uh, the Blue Jackets are good, but it's not enough. Right. I wonder how they found that. They, they read my stuff obsessively. They read our site. Not there you stuff. go. No, I have no idea. I, I was going to say something extremely cynical, but I'm not going to do that. What I no, will do say, it. No, I was do just going to say, I don't think the team's making the playoffs this year. So, like, why not? Like, go for it. Let the kids play. But here's what I will say. I'll say in past years, it's always been the Jackets have had a good core and any young guys who can make the leap or crack the roster and contribute would be gravy. This year, one of the Fords kind of has to almost for the Jackets to have a fighting chance, and Merzlikens definitely has to. Merzlikens or, or Villavinen, but Merzlikens has to. He, he, he wrote this check to come over here, and I love it, and he's, he's not, he did not want to go to Cleveland, and he's like, I'm your guy. Burn my ELC for the first year. I'm going to be an NHL goalie. I'm going to be the number one. Great, dude. But, like, you have to do it. He has to now. So that makes me a little nervous because it's always been kind of a luxury if the guys can do it. And now at least one of them in goal has to and probably one of the forwards too. But, I mean, at the same time, that's that's exciting. Like, it's fun to watch young guys make a splash and... As PD noted in that article, there's quite a few who could. So uh, go for it. That's what I say. Is the <laughs> last time we had, um, I'm just kind of asking generally, the last time we had a uh, goaltending depth this shaky, was that Steve Mason's rookie year, would you guys say? I, it might have been Mason Bobrovsky, right? Because we didn't know what we, we didn't know what Bob was yeah. going to do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out who was, uh, who was in the, who was sharing the net with Steve Mason, his, uh, rookie year here was that past was that leclerc uh yeah that was pascal Le- it was pascal leclerc and freddie narina 
Steve, uh, Mason played most of the games. Uh, Freddie Narina played six. Pascal Leclerc played ten. And he did it all while having mono. <laughs> That's right. Ten shutouts. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I will never forget because he won the Calder. He won right. He won the Calder yeah. that year too. And with mono, like I have a sinus infection, and I work all day. I was like, just let me die on the ground. And he has mono, and he's like making highlight reel saves. He should only ever play with mono. That was awesome. Yeah, it's like the version of you could make that NBA NHL Twitter meme like who's tougher? You'd be like one game with the flu and Michael Jordan or like a whole season with Mono and Steve Mason. <laughs> I think it's clear that Steve Mason is better than Michael Jordan. That's what I'm saying. That's my uh, He needs to have Mono every game, that's all. <laughs> that's my take for this episode. Before we do final thoughts, I want to point out it is trade week on the Canon. So jacketscanon.com check out the trade week articles uh, on Monday PD posted uh, Mitch Marner for Zach Wierenski proposal, and Seeds had a proposal of his own that I don't want to spoil over the weekend, so you can go ahead and, and check that one out to try and fix the goal scoring. But it is trade week, so go ahead and, and propose your trades in the comments. Let us know what you think about what we write. Uh, we want that all the time, but particularly for this week because it's a fun thought experiments. So anyway, it is time for final thoughts. Who would like to go first? I would love to go first, Ryan. Seeds, go, go ahead. I want to give a huge, huge shout out to the United States women's national team for winning their second consecutive World Cup, winning their fourth overall, the best in the uh, the best in the world. Shout out to Megan Rapinoe for winning the golden boot as the leading scorer in the tournament, winning the golden ball for best player in the tournament. Shout out to Ohio's own Rose Lavelle for a wonder goal to seal the uh, cup just eight minutes after uh, Rapinoe put the U.S. ahead in a nervy match. Hamilton County, Hamilton County, Ohio. What uh, what a performance from the U.S. women who set goal scoring records. They never trailed in the tournament. It was an utter masterclass from the opening match against Thailand until they beat the Netherlands in the final. I, I have no higher praise for these women other than their excellent support women's soccer, um, support your women's teams across the country. ESPN has picked up streaming rights and broadcasting rights for the NWSL for the rest of the year. Um, every match will be shown on either the ESPN app or ESPN two. So please feel free to follow these women, these outstanding women the rest of the year. They were incredible and deserve your support. I don't like soccer that much. <laughs> please don't hate me. Sorry. Um, so I didn't watch a single game. Because I just, I'm not the biggest fan. But it's exciting to see um, our country do so well so many years in a row. <clears throat> and there, it's funny, I don't watch soccer, but I follow like pretty much the whole national team on my social media. Because they're just a joy to follow and watch. They're so much fun. So it's like really, it's really exciting to see these like strong women who don't care what anyone really thinks about them just going to town on this tournament year after year after year. Um, but I was a little angry today because these women work so hard to achieve this accomplishment and people were ripping them apart for the way they celebrated 
And I was like, and I'm going to try really hard to censor myself because I know we're a family-friendly <clears throat> podcast. But, like, what what in, what in the world? Like, if it's okay for Patrick Kane and John Madden to party shirtless in a limo and then Patrick Kane punches a taxi cab driver as <laughs> part of its celebration, I don't understand why these women can't dance dirty and drop a whole bunch of unsavory words and just have a blast. So to those girls, I say, you go girls, you do you and live your life because you deserve it. Also at us soccer, pay them. Yes. Pay them. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue the non-hockey final thought, but basically um, it's all-star baseball uh, week in Cleveland. So that's kind of cool. And also I'm going to, Watch some home runs fly out tonight, so that's yeah. kind of all I've got. It it is pretty incredible up here in Northeast Ohio right now. Elaine, you went to one. Of, you went to one of the festivities, right? Yes, I went to the Twenty One Pilots concert. I have been like a kind of fan of Twenty One Pilots. I didn't get why everyone was so obsessed. I went to this concert and was like, why have I never been to one of their concerts? They are incredible. And it was like 90 bajillion degrees out because it was hot to begin with. And then everyone was like on each other. Um, And apparently the mall where the concert was held outside is on top of the convention center. So (laughs) the ground was moving and I was like, can we feel the earthquake in L.A. out here? Can we feel it? Like, what is going on? It was essentially like jumping on a trampoline for the whole concert. I mean, it was, it was insane. Um, but there were so many cool things set up in the, um, in that area, the ballpark. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but that ballpark area to see and to do, there was like a zip line, which I did not do because I'm not a fan of heights and possibly dying. So, you know, that was a hard pass, but it was, and there were people from all over the world they came to this event and they're like, Cleveland's so great. And I'm like, can you say that louder into my microphone <laughs> so I can tell the world that other people think Cleveland is also amazing. So it's just, it's been great because there's so many people in and out and they're also coming down to Akron and they're seeing things out in Akron. They're, um, you know, just enjoying North, Northeast Ohio. So it's not solely like people coming in and just seeing Cleveland. They're, they're going around Northeast Ohio and it's really exciting. And I wish I had had the money to go to the home run derby because that's my favorite event. And it's like, it was like $350 a ticket before tax for standing room only. And wow. that was, yeah, Jeez. that was like, a, yeah, that was like a hard pass for me. Cause my mom and I have, this is like our thing that we do once a year is we watch the home run derby together and we've always wanted to go to the home run derby. And we saw the prices were like, maybe next year (laughs) like maybe we'll travel right because to sit in standing room only is like behind the plate and what's the point of sitting like behind the plate at home run derby you want to sit like where you can catch the ball right or like get hit in the face with a foul ball or something like that that's what I I don't want to get hit in the face but like I wanted to like go past my face and be like, oh my God, I almost died at the home run derby. Like, <laughs> That's like my dream. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm just happy that uh, fantastically fun baseball player Javi Baez is an all-star. Yeah. True. Well, he was last year, too. He's a stud. Oh, real quick. I know Ryan's, like, waiting for us to be done, but uh, real, <laughs> I just remembered. Um, yeah, the all-star, game, the all-star game is in Cleveland, and then we also have it in Richmond for double-A, so that's kind of cool. I was going to go, but it's not going to happen this year. But anyway... I'm kind of heart in the middle of the own, of our own uh, All Star weekend stuff, so that's kind of cool. Nice, nice, yeah. It's a good time for sports because, like I've alluded, it's all baseball from here on out. Now that the World Cup's over and basketball's over and hockey's over, so baseball can baseball can shine. Have at it. Yes, I give I give it permission now. <laughs> I'm going to circle back and talk about the women's team as well. Uh, if you have a chance to watch women's soccer, go to these events. I went to an Atlanta beat game when they were a professional team back in 2011 after that World Cup. The place was packed. So much fun. I was able to go, lucky enough to go to a Champions League game uh, in 2013. Leon against Wolfsburg and Megan Rapinoe was on that Leon team. She was subbed out at like the 46 minutes. So I was pretty bummed. But... It's so much fun. It, it, and not to say that the men's games aren't. It's not a competition. It's equal. They should get equal pay. It's just so much fun. And watching this team, watching the way they, they've approached things, because I want to be careful about how they say this because I don't want it to come off like this. The way they just approached this tournament as knowing that they're the best team and vocalizing it and acting like it, honestly... I don't know about y'all. I was kind of ready for some kind of letdown, you know, like, oh, the quarterfinal against France or, you know, like you're always waiting, especially when there's so much pressure that they put on themselves and the country has for you. It's so cool in like the Olympics when Michael Phelps, you know, rips off, you know, eight gold medals or whatever to, to see athletes play to their true potential and back up their swagger. Um, I forget who said it. I don't know if it was Ali Krieger or somebody said it before, but like the United States has the two best women's soccer teams on the planet. Yeah. That's true. And they did it. And so to be able to revel in it and to, to show up like that and to back up your swagger uh, as your country, that kicks ass. And it was so much fun to see, especially all of them. And uh, <laughs> and the Instagram stories. Oh, boy. It got wild. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you can go find it. It's just no. so much fun. It's, it's nice to have... It's nice to win, right? Yeah, no, I would agree right? with that in that... I would agree with that in that, like... It was just, you know, they had they, there was so much going on surrounding this team and they showed up with this swagger saying we knew we know we're that good. And like you mentioned, Ryan being nervous, I was terrified they were going to lose that game, that match against France. And they they pulled it out. It was so much fun to just see this team go out and do what we knew they could do if they executed. So, yeah, congratulations again to them. All, all the best to them going forward. On that week of the 4th of July, too. America. Pretty good timing. Yeah. USA. All right. That will do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela has announced the name of her new upcoming album titled 430. Check it out at AngelaPurley.com. Rate us. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. We welcome your comments, questions. Tweet at us. Comment. Thank you so much for reading JacketsCanon.com. Again, it's trade week. So have fun with that from all of us at the Canon. Thank you for listening and we will see you next week.
I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.